You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. On this episode of Fantasy Baseball in 15, we'll see which angels could lead us to fantasy heaven. Like death and taxes, Dodgers get a Dodger. I have not had the three cold brews yet. It works great in a fantasy I'm just glad I am not at the dentist. Fantasy Baseball in 15 on The Athletic. Welcome to Fantasy Baseball in 15 for Wednesday, February 24th. I'm Al Melkier, and with me for this episode is Derek Van Riper and DVR. I'm just going to go far out on a limb here and say I think Mike Trout and Anthony Rendon are going to be good this year. Yeah, probably. We'll probably don't have to dig too much into them. <laughs> well, I guess that's a good thing because uh, we have with us here Fabian Ardaya, uh, who is the Athletics beat writer who covers the Angels, and he can help us dig into the rest of the roster. So, Fabian, first of all, just thanks for joining us and uh, looking forward to chatting some Angels with you. Thanks for having me on. You guys stole my answer. I was going to say, oh, Trout and Redone, they're going to be surefire guys to look for, for sure. Uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, <laughs> leave, leave it to the experts. Uh, that's what we should do going forward. Uh, but we do have lots of other questions about other players on the roster. So uh, I'd like to start with Jared Walsh because he was just very intriguing in that short 2020 season. And I'm very curious to know if he has done enough to win at least the larger side of a platoon job at first base. It, it sounds like it. Uh, basically, Joe Madden has already said as such. Uh, the spring pretty much said, like, hey, we, I mean, they had this conversation with Albert last year. They had this conversation with Albert Pools in 2019. Like, he's not going to be the everyday guy just for his sake. Also, just in terms of maintenance, like he's 41 now at this point. Like, he is not going to be a guy who's going to be able to play every single day. And up until really until Walsh, like there hasn't been like a clear cut guy who's been ready to take that mantle since probably CJ Crone. Uh, back in 2018, they had to trade him. Uh, so, yeah, it seems like Walsh is going to get a run at it. And the performance in September last year warrants at least a, like a shot, like a real shot. Uh, do I think he's going to have like a 158 OPS plus again? No. Uh, but he, if he, he, it looks like he could be a league average hitter at the very least. And if he's that, the glove is there. Like he's going to get enough playing time to be a productive everyday big league player, for, at least getting the most of that playing time at first base. All right. Well, I haven't seen anything or read anything that indicates that David Fletcher should have to worry about his playing time. But to me, he's one of the most puzzling players to try to figure out and project performance wise, because he is literally and has been for the last three seasons, the least powerful hitter in the major leagues. Uh, just if you look at one measure, average exit velocity on flies and liners. Uh, he also doesn't hit grounders particularly hard and he has pretty average sprint speed. And yet all he does is hit for average. So do you see any concerns about him being able to produce enough in 2021 to maintain a starting role? He's going to play every day. Uh, I firmly believe that. I firmly believe that Joe Madden believes in this guy. He already said today, uh, as we're like the day we're recording this, that he's one of the best second basemen in baseball. Uh, 
Uh, he, just on glove alone, he's going to be the guy that Joe Madden's going to find a way to get in there, uh, especially at second base for the most part this year. But like if someone gets hurt, Rendon gets hurt, Jose Iglesias gets hurt, he's probably someone who would slide in at shortstop or third base there. Uh, he is going to be in the lineup. It's interesting, like you mentioned, some of the stuff with the exit velocities and the fact that he, he doesn't really have the profile you typically would expect from a guy who puts together some of the batting lines he does, at least from a batting average standpoint. I'm not sure how much we can really quantify just the ability to like have a knack for finding holes and how long or sustainable that is. Uh, I know some of the expected batting average totals are still pretty solid. Like It's not like he... His stack ass page is just looking like, oh my gosh, like it's all these red flags. It, I mean, it, it's unique, definitely. And he's going to put the ball in play a lot, which gives him a lot of chances to do that. Uh, I think he has a knack for putting the ball where guys aren't. And it's hard to really bank on that, but he's been able to do it at this point for two and a half seasons. So I think for the meantime, at least, like he'll be a guy who at least can hit for a decent on average. There's no player in the big leagues who serves as a better bridge from talking hitters to talking pitchers than Shohei Otani. Uh, he had a great piece on The Athletic a couple days ago looking at some of the things that he was doing in the offseason trying to better prepare himself for the 2021 season. I think most of our listeners have reasonable and high expectations for Otani as a hitter. But our expectations for him as a pitcher are as low as they've ever been coming off of a really disappointing 2020 What's next for Otani, specifically on the mound? Because it seems like his success is really important to this Angels rotation. I think as long as he's healthy and doesn't really have any hiccups, which obviously like is a massive question mark, um, he's going to get a chance. Like He's going to be in the rotation. It sounds like it's going to be a six-man rotation for the Angels. And he's going to get a chance to go out there and see what a full season looks like. I mean, Joe Madden has pretty much said like there's no limitations, no restrictions on him. Perry Manassian has said hasn't like has said there won't be any innings restrictions on him this year. Like it sounds like as long as he shows that he's healthy, he's gonna get a chance to do this. And some of the stuff he did this offseason was with that in mind. And it was sort of all right, let's show up healthy, let's show up ready to go for a full season, even though he hasn't topped hundred innings since he was back in Japan in 2016. Uh so like that obviously it's a question mark, and it's probably the most important question mark in the Angels season. Uh, just how much he's able to provide as a pitcher, especially. Uh, but it sounds like he's going to be still, at least for this year, going to be given every opportunity to do so. Yeah, I think people forget the workloads that Otani had in Japan. 140 innings, I think in his second to last season before he came over, 160 and two thirds the year before that, 155 way back in 2014. So they don't necessarily have to baby him. And I think the way they're going to use him anyway is going to keep those innings at a reasonable level if he does stay healthy all season long. This is a rotation that we've seen some changes in this offseason. They've gone the bulk route, I would say, with Jose Quintana and Alex Cobb entering the mix. Uh, do you like anybody behind Bundy and Otani and Andrew Heaney out of the Griffin Canning, Jose Quintana, Alex Cobb, and maybe the cast of others behind them vying for spots? Do you see someone emerging to step forward and really exceed expectations in the back half of this rotation? I've been really high on Griffin Canning for a long time. And I think I, that was sort of those expectations went up a little bit last year too, even though I know like he didn't, his numbers didn't necessarily jump out last year compared to where he was as a rookie, but just sort of how you saw him approaching starts and some of the things that you saw him change and adjust mid start between starts. It was stuff that he wasn't necessarily doing quite to the same level as a rookie. And you can sort of see that development continue 
And eventually those numbers are probably going to catch up in a sense. Like you saw last year, you introduced a new curveball that was really, really effective. And then you saw by the end of the year, like even though that pitch was really working for him, you saw him go back to his old curveball and select points at the game, like during the game. And you saw he got some really bad swings out of guys who are really good hitters, like Fernando Tatis. Uh, you have him flailing at pitches just because he's not used to what's coming. He has different shapes, different curveballs. And I think how he processes the game, uh, he has a chance as long as he continues to stay healthy. And he did last year uh, to really sort of take that step forward. Uh, He's really the guy I look to from that group. Obviously, Jose Quintana has a track record of at least being a league average starter. And I would expect that to pretty much continue. I know they've been working with him on some of his fastball locations, which was probably the thing that he and Joe Madden both said was something that got him in trouble a lot with the Cubs. Uh, and then Alex Cobb, I mean, we'll see what he looks like once he actually gets into games here in spring training. But he's the guy who went to driveline this winter, too. And he, we'll see what kind of changes he's able to make. He sort of made some changes to his mechanics, uh, tried to stop opening up as much. And his ground ball rate seems like it would fit really, really well with uh, how the Angels line up defensively. It's just a matter of if he can continue to do that pretty well. Driveline's successes, I think, automatically bump up the ADP of literally anyone who goes there by at least two rounds. Like It's automatic for a late dart like Cobb. He becomes interesting again just by changing up what he did in the offseason and going to that facility. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Let's talk about the bullpen for a moment. A big addition with the trade for Rysel Iglesias. I think a lot of people were surprised the Reds even traded him away. Is he the clear-cut closer in Anaheim, and is there anybody else in that bullpen? If Iglesias were to get hurt, or if he were to go through a prolonged stretch of struggles, that we should have our eyes on as a possible replacement. It sounds like Iglesias is going to be the closer from day one, and I mean that's part of why they traded for him uh, last year. I think we saw like towards the end of the year, the most reliable reliever the Angels really had was Mike Myers, who it seemed like he discovered this cutter and all of a sudden was unhittable uh, for a twenty outing stretch or so, and he's a guy who can go multiple innings, so. I'm not sure if he'll be the guy at the end of the games, even if uh, even if uh, Iglesias gets hurt, just because of how Madden likes to use him in multi-inning situations. Felix Payne is the same way. Uh, the guy I'm sort of watching uh, with a close eye this year is Ty Butchery, who obviously had a really good 2018, really good first half of 2019, and then stopped really missing bats. Uh, he's done some stuff to remake his body, remake his mechanics, and we'll have to see how it looks in games, but if he can sort of rediscover... Uh, some of the ability to miss bats like he had earlier on, he's probably the guy they look to uh, in terms of closers if Rice Iglesias is hurt. And obviously they can still add. I think the Angels are still actively looking for bullpen help. Uh, and they, There still are some options out there that possibly could fit into the back end of their plans. Yeah, well, that's uh, some really good uh, analysis that we could all use in terms of, you know, lots of different fantasy formats with that bullpen, because I know people are going to be very interested not only in uh, what kind of hold Iglesias has on the closer situation, but yeah, who's going to come behind him. So that's that's really great stuff. But now we, you know, we've gotten uh, about 11 minutes into this and we have yet to talk about Joe Adele. So I know people are going to be very curious about what the Angels plans are for him and for 
Brand and Marsh as well. Is there going to be room for both of them at some point this year? That's what I'm curious about as well. It sounds like, at least for now, the outfield picture is pretty set for opening day. Uh, Joe Madden has pretty much said back as far as December that it sounds like Joe Adele will probably start the season in the minor leagues. And there might be a chance he comes up at some point this year. And I think it's likely that he comes up at some point this year, maybe June, July, if he's got another like 200 or so at bats, at least at AAA, just to see, just to work through things. And I think uh, the guy who I'm looking to possibly be up, maybe even sooner than Adele is Marsh, just because we already know the glove is ready. Uh, and we know that the plate approach is there. Uh, he takes his walks. He makes a good amount of contact. Uh, the big question with him long-term, obviously, is if he can hit for enough power, which he showed it in t- at the end of 2019, had a really good Arizona Fall League, and then we really didn't see him last year because he was at the alternate site. Uh, but to the point where at the alternate site last year, I mean, they had him working at first base for a little bit, which I guess is an indicator of how close they felt like he was to being ready, just so it was a way to get him on the field. Uh, so I would imagine he's pretty close to being ready, but I don't think they're going to rush either of these two guys. I think just given the amount of veterans that they've signed, the guys they have on the roster just as options. I mean, you're going to have Trout, obviously, in center. Uh, Justin Upton, uh, it's going to be really hard to move on from him and left. Uh, he still, obviously, has two years left on that big contract. Dexter Fowler, they traded for. He's probably going to be the everyday guy in right field. They still have Taylor Ward, who can play the outfield. can probably be a third catcher for them. And they obviously have, in terms of non-roster guys, they have Scott Shebler, John Jay, Juan Lagares, all guys with big league time and track record of at least of some level of production. Wow. So possibly uh, some roadblocks in the way there, but really interesting to think that maybe we could see Brandon Marsh before Joe Adele. Really, really interesting, Fabian. So on that note, we're going to wrap things up here for this episode of Fantasy Baseball in 15. If you're enjoying this podcast on a platform that allows you to leave a rating and a review, we always do appreciate it when you take the time to do that. So, uh, Bobby, and thank you so much for uh, all the information, all the insight, and for taking time out of your day to uh, chat with us. Of course, anytime. All right. Well, uh, for Fabian Ardaya and for Derek Van Riper, I'm Al Melkier, and we'll be right back here on Thursday. 